Commence Banking New Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Adams. As of this glorious Monday morning, Columbia University wants to forget about that one time at band camp, Tom Brady needs an extra dose of Metamucil, and the Russian Olympic team decided that their favorite dwarf is Dopey. But we begin with the three most important things that rocked our world and changed our perspective over the past seven days, or more specifically, the best of last week. First, NBA squads reported back to camp this past week, and many teams held media days showcasing their stars and building up what dreams may come for the upcoming season. Many teams had new faces on their rosters that had dysfunctional relationships with their previous teams, including Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, and Kyrie Irving. All three wore their new threads and tried to downplay their faults. I don't think I'm that bad of a guy, said Jimmy Butler. And he's right. He's not a bad guy, but no one's saying that he is. What they're saying is that he's a lousy teammate. This is someone who's helped get the same coach fired from two different jobs, someone who brags on social media that he embarrassed his teammates in a pickup game, and a guy who found a different jersey to wear in four straight off-seasons. No, he's not a bad guy. He's just a terrible person to have on your roster. This would be the same equivalent of Adam Sandler said he's not a bad guy. He's not. No one really thinks he's a bad person. We just think he should be banned from making movies when he tried to go all Eddie Murphy and make the film Jack and Jill, a cheaper knockoff of Medea's family reunion. Which, for the record, if anyone says you're a cheap knockoff of Tyler Perry's Empire, you have some serious problems. Rockets guard Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, attempted to instill a sense of fear in front offices around the league, saying, it's going to be scary. That's all I can tell you. It's going to be scary. Not for us. Ooh, very bold words, sir. Very bold. We're all shaking in our beds every night now that you're playing for a team that shoots half of their shots beyond the arc. Meanwhile, you came in dead last in the league in three-point field goal percentage for eligible players. I don't know why NBA backcourt should be scared of that weapon, because it's not even a weapon at all. It's like the anorexic supermodel Kate Moss warning the manager of a Golden Corral that they better prepare for her apocalyptic reckoning on their all-you-can-eat buffet. Hide your chicken wings, GC, because Kate Moss is about to eat you out of the trough. The final buffoon at the mic, Kyrie Irving, made subtle accusations of the Warriors trainers for rushing now teammate Kevin Durant back too quickly, as well as openly admitted that he failed his former teammates on the Boston Celtics for being a terrible leader on and off the court. Irving assured everyone that now things are different, almost touting in a Pentecostal way that he's a changed man, arguing that this year will be different. Sure it will, Kyrie. You've struggled at being a leader in all eight years you've been in the NBA. You've burned bridges with two NBA franchises, but now you're a changed man? Now you've seen the light? That's like Larry King sitting across from his ninth wife and saying, look, the first few times I was married, I know I screwed up, but it only took me eight wives to realize that I was a bad husband. You are the one who has helped me recognize my faults. I promise I will stay loyal to you, at least until the not-yet-determined number 10 looks me up on Facebook. Second, the defending national champion Clemson Tigers won a nail-biter of a game, squeaking out a 21-20 win on the road at North Carolina. After the game, Dabo Sweeney acknowledged his team's poor output, saying, It's not easy to win. I know we're supposed to destroy everybody, like nobody else has scholarships, nobody else has coaches. It doesn't work that way. We're just normal people. There's nothing special about us. We're not perfect. We don't coach perfect. Unfortunately, we don't play perfect every down, every game, but we found a way to win an ugly game. Sweeney's words hinted at something that many fans of college football aren't bold enough to acknowledge, that Clemson this year is a little overrated. Let's take 15 seconds to put this win into perspective. 
North Carolina is a sub-500 team led by a coach known in the backwoods of Texas as Grandpa Mac, who every Sunday rounds his posterity around him by the wildfire and tells him about the good old days when he as a young lad had the privilege of shaking hands with President Teddy Roosevelt. This is a team who last week lost at home to Appalachian State, who they paid almost a million dollars to come beat them in Chapel Hill. UNC is not a good football team, nor are they an average football team. They're bad. And for Clemson to beat them only by a muff two-point conversion with 20 seconds left does not help their case. Is it fair to call a spade a spade and make the bold statement that Clemson isn't as good as everyone talked them up to be? Because they aren't. Trevor Lawrence is not Tom Brady reincarnated, and Dabo Sweeney is not an untarnished holy man roaming the sidelines. Yes, we understand that their dismantling of Alabama in the title game last year was one of the most lopsided championships in recent memory. But yesterday's embarrassing win proved the point that the purple and orange Kool-Aid we've all been sucking down the last 18 months doesn't really have the same kick as it used to. Clemson this year, to me, is the equivalent of Top Gun, one of the most overrated movies in the history of modern cinema. Now, I know there are a whole slew of Gen Xers steaming in their cars yelling out, how dare you take jabs at one of the most historic films ever made. Goose is a patron saint, and we have not lost that loving feeling. And by the good grace of Maverick himself, Top Gun 2020 is going to be legend, wait for it, dairy. Well, I'm sorry to burst your Iceman-tainted bubbles, but I've always felt Top Gun is overrated. Think about it. What are the highlights of the movie? Tom Cruise sitting on his motorcycle watching jets take off in the background? A non-relevant beach volleyball game that looks like it was shot with cameras owned by the adult film industry? Val Kilmer making a loud chomp at the air in a locker room? Take those moments out, and what do you have? Honestly, what do you have in that movie? An overhyped, overvalued byproduct of the Cold War devoid of an actual plotline or antagonist that for some bizarre reason pulls on everyone's nostalgic veins reminding them of the time when Goose was still alive. Top Gun is all buildup and no delivery, plain and simple. And that's what we have with Clemson this year. They haven't done anything meaningful and are being glorified in nostalgia. Similar to the Tom Cruise blockbuster, what have they done? A one-possession home win against a perennially overrated Texas A&M team who almost lost to Arkansas on Saturday? Only giving up 10 points at home to Charlotte? A 2-3 and three FCS team who can't beat Lane Kiffin at home? A season schedule which doesn't have a single-ranked opponent left, period? Face it, Clemson is the overhyped top gun of college football. And unless Dabo Sweeney and Tom Cruise pull some hypothetical magic out of their leather jackets, the sequels will be remembered as all-time duds. And finally, on Sunday, the baseball season has come to an end. After 165,000 players walking up to the batter's box with Creed playing in the background, 37 million spit sunflower seeds on the ground of dugouts across the country, and 571 separate jockstrap adjustments caught on live television, the last pitch of the regular season has finally been thrown. These irrelevant stats are comical, yet they epitomize baseball, which is defined by quantitative measurements more than any other sport currently played. Since the viral trend of Moneyball in 2001, baseball has been all about the numbers, removing faces from the game and whittling them down to numeric inputs. Seriously, if I were to take out Kevin Spacey from the lineup in The Usual Suspects and replace him with 2018 National League MVP Christian Yelich, could anyone be able to tell the difference? One of the most fascinating statistics that is a hot topic in analysts' minds is the fact that for the fifth year in a row, home run totals have gone up. More specifically, season records have been broken with both the Minnesota Twins and the New York Yankees breaking the record set last year for most home runs in a season by a single team. 
An interesting correlation with these baseball stats is this, and please stay with me here, because I know if anyone uses the terms correlation and baseball in the same sentence, it usually triggers a yawn sequence by listeners and causes most people to doze off into oblivion. Along with home run numbers being up, strikeouts are also breaking records, with Major League breaking the record for most strikeouts in a season for the 14th straight year, which proves the idea that baseball teams in the league are living under an all-or-nothing delusion. This go-big-or-go-home fallacy has taken over baseball as in players' minds, which are very similar to Ricky Bobby in thinking that it's either a home run or nothing, or as the NASCAR legend famously once said, if you ain't first, you're last. Keep in mind, Will Ferrell's character is also known for wise words such as, this sticker is dangerous and inconvenient, but I do love me some Fig Newtons, as well as, Jing Pao, Etone Pei, Tao Aulon Pai, Due Papa, Broom Candy. The Ricky Bobby mentality may end up killing baseball as it depreciates the fundamental triggers that help teams win. Say what you will, but home runs don't win championships. Great bullpens, high on-base percentages, and strategic defensive schemes win championships, which all of the World Series champions in the last decade exhibited as they held the Commissioner's Trophy. The Yankees and Twins and many other MLB clubs will most likely continue to go big or go home and keep knocking dingers out of their parks in the regular season. However, when the chips fall, going big or going home will leave many teams looking like fools once the confetti falls, much like Ricky Bobby did as he ran around a racetrack in his underwear shouting out the words, Help me, Tom Cruise! Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft on me to get the fire off me! We now shift to what matters this week, which, as we mentioned earlier, concerns things in sports that are overhyped, or what is more commonly known as things that historically do not deliver despite a large amount of inflated discussion by the media. There are prime examples we have all seen over the years, such as communism, Megan Fox, or spending New Year's Eve in Times Square. All of these items are overhyped and have not delivered on their promises. I challenge anyone to give me one good reason why standing in a crowd of 2 million people in below freezing temperatures while Ryan Seacrest compliments Mariah Carey on that stellar lip-syncing performance is a good idea. Hype is not a new concept, as people get hyped up about things all the time. Things like Black Friday, Fidget Spinners, Fortnite, and the TV show Modern Family have all been overhyped and have failed when push comes to shove. Hype over-promises and in many cases under-delivers. And there are countless examples of overhyped items, ideas, or concepts that were talked up, analyzed, or tweeted about. And then when you finally get down to the nuts and bolts, we're about as bad as Roseanne Arnold trying to sing the national anthem. If you thought her racist tweets were awful, wait until you see her try and vomit out the words to Francis Scott Key's Ode to Patriotism. In sports, people buy into hype all the time and are momentarily mesmerized by things that really aren't that special. Take, for instance, the previously mentioned Russell Westbrook, who back in the 2016-17 season, the hype around him was absurd, with him riding the coattails of what appeared to be one of the most statistically significant seasons in NBA history. He's averaging a triple-double, we all said. We are witnessing greatness, we all said. The hype for Westbrook is real. MVP, 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 we all chanted as both logic and reason were evicted from the mind and mouth of Skip Bayless. But then the Thunder lost in five games to the Rockets in the first round of the playoffs, and we all realized there was nothing behind those numbers. Next year, same story. Westbrook again throws up absurd triple-double numbers, breaking his own records. And again, the Thunder lost in the first round, this time to Jingle and Joe and the Utah Jazz. Hype is often tied to social media, as we now live in a world where 14-year-olds with quick thumbs dictate what is and is not valuable to modern society. 
This is often seen with things going viral for brief moments, but then falling to their deaths even faster than their rise. We've all seen them and participated. Don't deny it. Everyone bought into the hype over Flappy Bird or challenged their friends to participate in the Ice Bucket Challenge on Facebook or argued over the color of the white and gold dress. And don't start with me, black and blue crowd. The world knows that you're all colorblind. Either that or you're just stubborn fools who don't want to admit the true tone of that shimmering gown. Hashtag white and gold forever. Oftentimes, players and teams get overhyped with sports talk shows dedicating entire segments and even episodes talking about the latest craze. A recent sports media trend overhyped an undefeated L.A. Rams team who were soundly thumped by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday afternoon. Yes, you heard that right. The creamsicle pirates led by good old Seamus Jameis Winston knocked out last year's NFC champion on their home field. We all heard the hype going into the season about the Rams. Jared Goff is the real deal. Give him a statue in Canton already. Sean McVay is a football genius. He thinks on a different level. Aaron Donald is a beast. Did you know his family crest is a picture of a barracuda eating Neil Armstrong? Those words were inflated, overhyped, and when all the showcasing was boiled off were just words. The Rams this season are two plays away from being 2-2 two and two and are about as exhilarating to watch as the plot line to Downton Abbey. Don't try and defend the PBS hit, by the way. It's the 1920s version of Seinfeld, a show about nothing, literally nothing. Go ahead, Google the most monumental moments of Downton Abbey, and you'll see either Mr. Mosley passing an exam and being offered a teacher's position, or the Earl of Grantham getting a puppy. Oh, heavens, Lady Talbot, whatever shall we do with the Labrador on the premise? Hide him in the water closet so Miss Crawley doesn't see him. Won't that be a kerfuffle? All hype, but nothing really relevant to bring to the table. The Rams are the Downton Abbey of the NFL this season. All hype. Which brings us to this. Back in 1999, the world was a different place. People were panicking about a mythical demon named Y2K that was about to be unleashed upon mankind. And we didn't have to worry about getting an anal cavity search before boarding an airplane. 1999 was also memorable because it rebooted one of the greatest epics to ever disgrace the big screen. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Now, I'm sure there are some Gen Zers out there who are saying, hold the 5GE Apple iPhone 11 Plus with rotating three-dimensional camera display, Brock. Did you just say reboot? As in, there were Star Wars movies before Misa Jar Jar Binks showed us his pretty face? And yes, there were. Believe it or not, George Lucas did in fact make high-quality movies well before the Berlin Wall came down. The Phantom Menace had memorable moments, the majority of them politically charged and cinematically cringeworthy. And as sad as it is to the Star Wars Empire, no pun intended, it will always be remembered as one of the most overhyped events in the history of mankind. Lines for ticket sales circled around neighborhood blocks with excited crowds humming on pins and needles for the saga to continue. But much like the overhyped trends like the LA Rams, the film did not deliver and will always have people ask themselves, why were we so pumped for this? As the Clemson Tigers limp through their ACC schedule or the Yankees get eliminated in the first round by a slew of all-star pitchers or Russell Westbrook averages yet another triple-double season but the Rockets are taken out in five by the Jazz, we can all sit back and realize that getting hyped about things doesn't really work. Thank you for listening to Brand Spanking New. We'll definitely be back next week. Unlike Joe Madden, who was given a disrespectful pink slip by the Chicago Cubs despite breaking a 109-year-old curse.